Welcome to the God Pod. I'm your host of hosts, the good Lord with the most, the one and only Almighty God. Thanks for joining us as we attempt to restore order to the multiverse. I'm here today with my pal and son, Jesus. Hey, Jesus. Aw, hey, Dad. What we're going to do today is, I guess you could call it a clip show. Okay. Because I... I need a break. I'm going to go spend the weekend in a sensory deprivation tank. Oh, Just try nice. to tune out the universe and the world and the prayers. But the God Pod Thanksgiving party is tomorrow night. Cannot wait. So join us all. The link is in the description of this episode. And we hope to see you there. We're going to, you know, talk about what we might do at our Thanksgivings on Thursday with our families. Maybe have a contest for the best trolling sentence maybe you don't actually do it in real life maybe it's just an idea anyway we're gonna have fun and we'll help out the humans deal with their own thanksgivings i think and we're gonna talk about the things we're thankful for too so you might get some good ideas that you can then use on your family and they'll be like wow i didn't know such and such was that deep (laughs) yeah wow the legend cadis really had some deep thoughts on thankfulness and these parties (laughs) are always so much fun so please join us you won't regret it so this is tuesday november 23rd starting at 9 p.m eastern yeah okay 9 to 11 find the link in the show notes check it out yeah so uh let's talk about some of our best interviews we've done this year we had on the comedian fizza dasani oh she was great she's she amazing yeah we're so comedically aligned she she's a huge fan of george carlin and all that yeah those older comedians and stuff we just loved fizza so here's a snippet from that interview i think i dropped the ball and you thought i didn't want you on my podcast and it's like of course i want you on my podcast (laughs) you know you know me i'm just desperate for praise and attention and when you know, a DM doesn't get answered for like three days. I'm like, this is it. I'm just, I'm done. Nobody loves me. You get one chance with Fizza and I blew it. Well, you know what? It is interesting you say that and it makes sense and it's congruent with creating a population for the sake of worshiping you. So, you know, it, it really is not outside of character. <laughs> I know how to get attention. So let me ask, do you still believe in me? Yeah, of course. We're, we're friends. Mm-hmm. Well, great. But did you believe in me before we met on Clubhouse? Oh, well, I mean, you know, we talked, we touched a little bit about this on my podcast, but I think of God more as a concept. So we're all God, Mm -hmm. but you're, you know, you're, you're, you're the God, God. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're all God, but in a more real sense, I'm God. So (laughs) did you enjoy that earthquake I sent this morning? Oh yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it 444 Mm -hmm. um, AM Pacific time? (laughs) Rude. (laughs) You know, it's going to be a week. When that's how it begins. (laughs) Other than that, how is your 2021 going so far? Honestly, it's been good. I discovered Clubhouse. I met you. We sound like we're in a cult. Yes, you do. (laughs) They don't like it. Okay, I get made fun of here for talking about Clubhouse. That's just... He talks about it a lot. Are you as obsessed? I'm quite obsessed. Um, and I do, you know, from an outside, more cosmic perspective, I do see how it sounds cultish. Okay, Fessa, can I ask you a question? Did you ever use chat roulette? And why do you love it? <laughs> I wish I did because, you know, it's fun to see good penises. Hell yeah. But it's really horrible to see bad ones, too. So, you know, at the time, I wasn't as uh, techni- technologically savvy. So, unfortunately, I didn't participate in the chat roulette experience. Well, you missed out wow, wow, in a big wow. way. I choked on some water when she said it's fun <laughs> to see good penises. <laughs> All right. Worlds are colliding right here. As Jesus described it, 
they're a little like Woody in Toy Story, and you're like Buzz Lightyear showing up, and strange things are happening. Yeah, we're feeling irrelevant. <laughs> Clubhouse is the shiny new toy. <laughs> but you know, Jesus, you get a lot of attention, especially in Western country. Not even in Western country. You get a lot of attention around the world. Not as much as Islam. There are more Muslims, but Muslims actually believe in Jesus too. So really, you're you're doing all right. Yeah. No, that's that's all true. I just mean here on the pod, we're becoming irrelevant, and it just makes oh. me sad. That's all. Yeah. yeah, your feelings are valid. I'm it's sorry. not irrelevant. By the way, we're canceling half the shows. <laughs> this is like the movie Stepmom. <laughs> <laughs> so I can spend more time with Clubhouse. What made you want to do comedy, Fizza? Probably, like, depression, but... <clears throat> Honest, yes. I mean, yeah, I guess it's like I was pretty depressed as a kid. I just, like, really like the validation one could get by making people laugh like that was something i thought was very healing at the time i I was young i was probably like in middle school at the time so i knew very early on i wanted to be comedian but it's like you know that's not really like celebrated by immigrant parents so Mm -hmm. you know i i knew i was going to but i didn't also i tried to like suppress you were in the closet comedically for a long time i was i was Mm -hmm. But, and what it was it like when you came out? You know, it's like I, I, I'm home, you know, I'm accepting a part of myself I was denied. How did your parents react is my question. <laughs> you know, they're actually pretty cool with it because the thing is, is I've always sort of been interested in this. So there wasn't a lot of ambivalence. Like both my younger mm-hmm. siblings are doctors. Yeah. They had more pressure because, you know, they were they weren't as headstrong. I always sort of knew I wanted to work in entertainment and that was the direction I was always going in. I think just being in front of the camera took a second to like accept. But you've done but you're doing very well. I mean, you know, you're on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I have a little little parts here and there and I'm 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 happy with the path I'm on. So a hundred percent like, you know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm very sort of satif- satisfied with my journey and excited for the future. Who are some of your favorite comedians that inspired you growing up? Like, who are some of your heroes? Oh, um, gosh. George Carlin, Chris Rock, um, Wanda Sykes, um, Sarah Silverman. I mean, I wish there was more representation for, like, you know, women of color comedians. Oh, the Queens of Comedy. That's good. I agree with all your your choices. <laughs> I want to hear more. <laughs> What's up, Satan? <laughs> Satan's not happy. It's amazing what's happening with comedy on Clubhouse, right? There's a lot of stand-up comedy being done for live audiences, and you can hear them laughing. This has been a first for me to get to hear humans laughing directly at the things that I'm saying. You know, strangers. You know, I know the people here laugh, but you know they get paid. Um, hearing people in the clubhouse laugh, it's different. It's different, and that's cool, right? You, you get to do it from your bed. It's not stand-up comedy as much as bed down. Oh, lie down comedy. That's my new specialty. In fact, I had to do a stand-up set for the first time in a while for like it was a fundraiser for um, um, the AAPI communities, and you know we were live streaming, but the performers came in to the Laugh Factory. And that was my first stand-up, like standing up set. And I was like, I need to like start working out or walking because mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is, a, there's more energy expenditure for yeah. sure. Your gams were, were tired after that, right? Did you stretch? Did you stretch before? And you got to hydrate, Fizza. I, you know, both are things I can work, I can work more, I can work on, I think. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, pandemic's over. You're like, oh, yeah, exercise. What's that? Okay. <laughs> Want to do a couple minutes of your act now so we can, the gang can hear what you got? Yeah, why not? I know I'm meeting some of you for the first time. Um, Jesus, for sure. Um, for Moses. Um, I, You know, Satan, I feel like I have a relationship with as well. Joey, we're old friends, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> And like the Holy Spirit, you know, again, like I think that's something. So, but like Moses and Jesus, I think my relationship with the ascended masters, you know, is I, I, I could do better. So I want to extend a hand to each of you and tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, Fizza is my government name. It's my real name. I'm not in the Wu-Tang Clan. People need to stop asking me <laughs> if I'm in the Wu-Tang Clan. They're not the first ones to do. You're not the first one to do it. I'm not the Rizza. I'm not the Jizza. My name is Fizza. It's not spelled F-Z-A, it's spelled F-I-Z-A-A with two A's at the end, but it's not pronounced Fizza, it's just pronounced Fizza, one of the A's is silent, I don't know which one. <laughs> Maybe they take turns, you know, like twin babies playing the same role in a beloved American sitcom, I don't know, just throwing it out there. <laughs> My last name is Dasani Like the Water, and one time a, a so-called friend forgot my last name and they're like Fizza Aquafina <laughs> and I was like damn really Aquafina like that you know when like the pandemic first started all the water was gone in the water aisle except that bottom shelf shit Aquafina like <laughs> give me something a little more top shelf you know like like what about Fizza Fiji water like you know I'm, I'm exotic or like <laughs> give me a quality like Fizza Smart Water you know like I went to Florida public school like I don't mean to brag but I went to Florida public school or like get creative Fizza Carbonated Fizza Perrier. Oh my God, you're so creative. How did you think of that? You didn't. You might as well have said Fizza Flip Michigan tap water. Just trying to bring awareness. <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, vigilante justice. You know, I know I should let go and let God, but I honestly like to take things into my own hands sometimes. Like, you know, sometimes I'll wear pigtails so I can go out and just catch a predator. <laughs> gotcha! I'm 33! <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm 35! <laughs> I wrote that shit when I was 33! <laughs> Wasn't that great? It was so much fun. She was such a delight. Love you, Fizza. Yeah. Follow her everywhere. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash thegodpod. That's betterhelp.com slash thegodpod. The best way to think about therapy is through a bunch of analogies. We get our cars tuned up to prevent bigger issues down the road. We get annual checkups and go to the gym to maintain physical wellness and prevent injury and disease. We do chores regularly, some of us, to avoid a giant mess of a house and roaches. Going to therapy is like all of these. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. As the expression goes, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Going to therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, 
and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the GodPod listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash TheGodPod. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash TheGodPod. Sign up today. Thanks, humans. Another person that I got to meet this year who became a dear, dear friend is founder of The Onion, Scott Dickens. Uh, legend. A legend. Make no mistake. Comedy legend, founder of The Onion, just an absolute delight of a human being to know. Couldn't be nicer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you don't always get that in comedy. Sometimes you meet people and, like, you know, someone can be good at comedy and still be, like, a, tra- a shit person. And that is not Scott. So, <laughs> no, yeah. The thing <laughs> is that like, the nicest thing I've ever said about someone? I don't know. <laughs> I think so. The other thing, too, is that when you are, you know, when you got this interview coming up, you're like, oh, man, I'm, you know, a little nervous about how it'll go, especially with somebody as big as Scott. And then he comes on and he's just a delight, like you said. So it was so nice to meet him and then to see him be such a genuine human. It, it was a really great experience. We love you, Scott. One of my favorite parts about The Onion is it's really actually saying something about what's going on, too. And one of my, Mm. it feels weird to call this a favorite, but The Onion, after every mass shooting in the U.S., they repost that one story. You know, they, they, they change it up. No way to prevent this, says only nation where this regularly happens. They use that headline every time there's a mass shooting. And it, it just says it all. There's the nothing subtext. else you need to say. It makes you think. Yeah. 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 It was so hard to come up with a new wacky headline every time there was a horrific mass shooting. Mm. That was like the bane of our existence for so many years. Mm. And somebody came up with that idea and it was like, oh my God, that's so ingenious. We'll just use that every time and it'll save us the agony of having to come up with a joke. Right. When, yeah. when, because we, we're not like the late night talk shows. We can't go out there and say, folks, there was a real tragedy today. So I'm not going to be funny tonight. Right. Uh, we can't do that. The onion has to be funny. And so not only is that very wry and amusing and, the subtext is so accurate, but it becomes more meaningful the more it's run. Yes. <laughs> so right. it was a wonderful happenstance. I, yeah. I want to yeah. recount, if you guys Please. are interested, of the very first time that Jesus appeared in the paper. <laughs> it was in year three, possibly even year two. It was very early. And it was a story, a headline we had that was, Jesus Returns to NBA. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah. He's dunking. He's dunking yeah. hard. So the, we didn't have a graphics team. We didn't have a graphics editor. And <laughs> I had to uh, take the photo. I had to find a Jesus and take a photo. I didn't know anybody who looked like Jesus. So I went down to the <laughs> lake and found a bunch of hippies playing hacky sack. <laughs> and there was a guy there who I thought, okay, he looks pretty good. So picked up... Um, it wasn't a crown of thorns exactly. It was like one of these twig wreaths that you get like a decorative wreath and put it on his head and it was sunset. So the light was really hitting him really hard on one side. It was like orange on one side. 
and had him just jump a few times with a basketball, pretend like he was dunking and took those photos in, developed them. We had to hand develop film photos at that point. Wow. And then, so we, we had just hired this one graphics guy, Mike Lowe, and he took that photo. And then he took a photo of a couple of University of Wisconsin Badger basketball mm. players and was able to insert Jesus. Photoshop didn't even have layers at that time. So we had to do this thing <laughs> called option erase, where you paste it on oh. from one document to the other document and option, hold down the option key while you erase the border. And the light of the, the Jesus matched so beautifully with this picture of the basketball of the lights. <laughs> and it, it looked like he really fit. Uh, if you go online now and you search that story, you'll see that picture. But the way it came yeah. together, that's kind of how it was. It was so uh, see to your pants. And just like oh. we were lucky to to ever get the paper in on deadline because there were so many just crazy, impossible things that would go wrong. It was it was a miracle. So I want to <laughs> like, thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, just just exactly. I'm glad you brought that up because the photoshops like it's so. <laughs> comedically inspiring the marriage of the perfect headline with the absolute hilarious image and just just thank you yes <laughs> well, thank, thank you. you for all the yeah ladies. no it, it was um it, it was a, a real goal of mine to always make sure that the photoshopping was as realistic as possible because <laughs> exactly. you know bad photoshopping is easy and it's mm-hmm. a dime a dozen and but the onion always plays it straight. So I want the photo to look real. And beyond just the Photoshopping, like for me, it's about, well, what kind of photo could a journalist get of this story? So mm. that's a big part of what goes into the photos. Cause a lot of times people will write a story and, and they'll think of the perfect photo. And it's like, wait a minute, how would the journalist ever get access to that image? Right. How, how, could, how could a photographer get there? So um, we always think of that. And sometimes that adds to the verisimilitude. So you'll have a fake event and you'll have a picture of, you know, the aftermath. You'll show like the police tape because that's what you would have access to. And it just makes it more believable. Exactly. You know? I love that that word used, verisimilitude. Exactly. That was a big, big word for us that we used all, all the time. No, ex- and that's exactly word. what made it go is, is this uh, real, you felt that it was real. Yeah. And you watch other people who, who, who imitate the onion and, and do exactly. it really successfully. And they're they're making that mistake. Like the Babylon exactly. Bee is a good example. A lot of their photos are very fake and yeah. cartoonish, and you know that's their vibe. They're not necessarily trying to be exactly what the onion is. But I see that, and I'm just my my um, perfectionist brain is like, oh, I mistake. agree with I agree mistake. with you. <laughs> you know, amateurs. Yeah. What was it like to edit these headlines day after day for years, and then you know see the effect they had on the world and the discourse? I know that's a big question. No, it was really fun. As soon as we realized we started impacting the world at large, like people that we would write about would get in touch with us. Wow. They'd write us fan letters. You know, Stephen Hawking wrote us a fan letter. <laughs> yeah, he was in quite a few. Unbelievable. Like to know that he literally spent the time to move his head to type each letter. We, we all just read it and cried. We were just so moved that he would do that. And Douglas Adams sent us a fan letter. You know, that was amazing. And then at least two different presidents tried to uh, get us into legal trouble. Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, at some, 
at some point that becomes really fun and part of the game, part of the, an added layer of humor for everybody who's working at the onion. It's like, who can we piss off or who can we make believe that this story is real, who should know better and stuff like that. So and now I'm wondering which presidents, although it seems like you cannot say. <laughs> oh no, I can totally say, I'm, oh, okay. I'm happy to say. So the first president to send us a cease and desist order was George W. Bush. Of course. Of course. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I used to do this parody of him on a podcast that we ran on the Onion's website and we ran the presidential seal with it. And they said, you can't use that. That has to only be used for official presidential business. Bullshit. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I've, I've watched SNL. And when they do the yeah. president, they put the seal right there on the podium. You're just picking on us because we're small. So we went right to the New York Times with that cease and desist letter. And, and oh, they wow. tore him a new one for, for being so... Um, Oh, I love that. Uh, mired in minutia. So, and then the other time was uh, what well, you, of course, know who the other president is. There's no guessing. Obama? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, the pettiest president we've ever had, Barack Obama. <laughs> oh, that was so nice to look back on that. Another friend that I made this year and a brilliant comedian is Marlena Rodriguez. Remember when she came on? Yeah, that was so much fun. She works in television. Yeah. She was a writer for uh, Kimmy Schmidt and many other shows. Let's listen to that. Why should we care about you? Oh, this is a great question. <laughs> um, because I'm Latina. Right. And so if you don't care about me, you're racist. <laughs> <laughs> That's simple. Now, full disclosure, I got this question from you, Miss Berlina. On fucking oh, yeah. Friday, this is this oh, yeah. is one of your famous questions. <laughs> I yeah. I met Marlena on Clubhouse on her weekly uh, club that she does called Fuck It Friday. Oh, and, okay, yeah, and she is the creator and host of that show. Check it out; it's hilarious. Check it out, and everybody else there is hilarious and awesome. Yeah, the first time I went there, I just stumbled. It was like my first week, Jesus. I think I've told you about this. But I, mm. I stumbled into this room, and I'm like, what is this? Fuck it Friday. I, I like that. I curse. I'm vulgar. <laughs> and <laughs> I stumbled into this room. I'm like, what is going on here? I can't figure it out. And next thing we you hated know, him. they call me up, and they put <laughs> hated me on. him a lot. They put me on trial. <gasps> Immediately. They put me on trial for everything. Everything. The charges were all. Yeah. And I took that super serious. Okay. Yeah. And so it what commenced then was like a four hour trial yeah. with lawyers, actual with lawyers. With actual lawyers. Yeah. Wow. People who are I, lawyers in real life. I had two lawyers in real life and they <laughs> they were terrible. So I fired them and defended myself like an idiot. Was one of them porno gym? <laughs> that sounds about right. I think so. But I, I don't know. I don't remember anymore. I'll have to check Diego's notes. But I I defended myself thoroughly and and wore them down like 12 angry men. And I... It was the opposite. Oh. <laughs> he didn't do well, Marlena? It was the opposite. Sorry, sorry. You take well, over. Well, what had happened was we were angry. We were ready, you know? And I've raised just a clan of monsters in there. Clan? I don't know if it's the wrong word, quite frankly. No, that's, that's a problematic term. 
Well, they're not all white. Okay. That <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I've raised monsters, you know? I have to, like, calm them down for being bullies often. Um, yeah. And uh, and they hate it. We hated God. So we put them on trial. Great questions from us. We had, like, 12 lawyers, four judges. It was fantastic. The judges were also the jury, but not, like, in small claims court, <laughs> like, in a big court. And hmm. it was very corrupt. And um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad we got that on the record. It was extremely corrupt. And... Um, <laughs> bucket and so, so the reason I, right the reason i said the is the opposite is because god we would you know we would come at him and then he was just so chill like he'd just be like listen i'm just a guy who made a universe and was like whatever and though that was like the the general tone of all of his testimony And we found him after three hours, we found him innocent on the basis of too chill. (laughs) Just what a chill dude. And to be fair, the difference between God on a Monday or a weekday at 2 p.m. and God on a Friday at 11 p.m. is dramatic. Really? (laughs) I I just had a Red Bull and some coffee. I'm... (gasps) You know, <gasps> yes, I've smoked a joint, but I've, I've, have I smoked 10? So, <laughs> like you do on Friday nights, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's a different vibe, mm-hmm. and um, but it's great times. I uh, they they pronounced me not guilty, and I've been there ever since. Well done, we love God. It sounds like Marlena that he killed y'all with kindness, he was just so cool. You're like, how could we hate this guy? How could we be mad at him? Right. Exactly. To be fair, I do have a lot to apologize for, but at the same time, a lot of the most evil shit done in the Bible was just done by my evil twin brother, Todd. So, yeah, I I didn't even mention that. Yeah, Todd. (laughs) Todd? God and Todd, yes. Oh, spelled with one D? Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) That's way worse than a double D, Todd. So, uh, second question, do you still believe in me, the Lord thy God? Um, I'm a big universe believer. I think oh. it's, listen, I'm going to be serious. Let's be serious. Uh, I do stand up and I've done jokes where it's like, I don't believe in God. I did. I would do this joke that was like, I've been single so long, I'm ready to date someone who believes in God. And, <laughs> you know, so fun with white people audiences but then i would do like a black room which i know sounds very racist but it would always go very like kill my whole set in in those rooms and it right and and you know upon more learning uh i realized it's a privilege to not believe in god Mm. sir and so don't shit on people for sure yeah, I mean, people are at different levels of religiosity. Some some groups are more religious than others, and they may yeah. not appreciate the anti-me humor, which I love about them. And the uh, people yeah. that are laughing at those jokes, what the hell? So someone believes in me, you know? Like, oh, they're so bad. They're, you'll probably marry them and live happily ever after. Oh, wouldn't that be terrible? It would. 
So you you believe in the universe. You know about the universe corporation then? Oh. You know about the universe corporation? I, I don't. I don't. What is? Oh, yeah. The universe is just one poorly run corporation. And I work for them. And so you don't necessarily what? believe in me is what you're, you're saying. You're an employee? Okay. More like a, a galactic manager, a GM. Are you like a W-2 employee or a 1099? Oh, no. They do all contractor stuff. Yeah. Are you, did you incorporate? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Not insane in Delaware. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're going to, they're going to play the game. So I, but yeah, I'm just a galactic manager, uh, just another GM in, within this multiverse. And I think I'm doing uh, a better job than I used to be doing. So if you don't believe in me, it's hurtful, but whatever. Hard to say. That was awesome. She's so funny. Yeah. We love her. Yeah. Another uh, person that we got to talk to this year, which was a huge get. Yes. And so exciting. We got Oscar-winning director Trayvon Free, who, Man. who I had started to attempt to book on the show a month before the Oscars because I just had a feeling he was going to win. I saw his short film. Yeah. I had not seen any of the others, but I just said, this is so good. This has to win. If you haven't checked it out, his short film was called Two Distant Strangers. It's on Netflix. It's like half an hour long, and it's perfection. Let's take a look back at our interview with Trayvon. In the same way that I look at my privilege as a man when it comes to women, and I have to decide how do I want to use what I have to now not only undo the uneven society we live in in relation to gender, but how can I use my, my position to help bring women into the forefront of, you know, where we exist in society as men? That is, on its face, seemingly an inconvenience. It's me having to go, I have to go out of my way now to make sure that I'm speaking up for women or doing this or doing that. And it's not an inconvenience because it's a society I want to live in. It's no different than doing any other work I want to do in order to create a world I want to live in. And so if, if people approach race in society that same way, you end up getting to the same place. You just need people to understand there's a temporary discomfort and sometimes you having to go above and beyond your everyday life to actually make that society a reality. But you, you're doing it because... You want to live in a better world. You want your kids to live in a better world. You want people around you to just have a better time being right. alive. And when you've experienced any type of an in, injustice or any type of oppression, it makes it easier to understand it for someone else. Wow. Yeah. I mean, how do you make people care about things? Is I a problem that I <laughs> feel yeah. all the time? I feel like I should have spent more time making human brains. <laughs> Sometimes I regret free will, like every day. <laughs> I mean, and and the system, like you were describing the credit card system, it's it's you can see the effects of Roman civilization all throughout modern civilization, right? And you can see how God, how I'm all through. People are say, "Oh my God!" Like every five seconds, and then white supremacy is just baked into the system. It's now in your algorithms. Yeah, And it's affecting everything. And people just yeah. they don't understand that. And even if they right. do understand, like you said, do they care? 
Right. Make the choice to be good, humans. <laughs> yeah. Please. Please. Right. Care about people other than yourselves. But I, I appreciate the art of of yeah. making a movie like this. It's just it comes from your heart and it's just it's the attempt to try and, and change people's minds, to make them care. That's what this movie, you know, can possibly do for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, and that's the hope. That's really the hope. Again, if you want to meet up after, I've got like a ton of ideas to pitch you. It's <laughs> <laughs> really good Satan ideas. Oh, Satan. But beyond that, what, is, what do you think are some things that people can do? Because I, I think a lot of times people are like, well, I don't know what to do. I voted for Biden. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. What do I do now? What do you think is the solution for this? Defund the police? Abolish? Reform? There is a lot of information out there about how and why police reform at this stage is not only an impossibility, but is pretty much set up to fail. And, you know, what we need to do is you have to have a multi-pronged approach to solving these problems. And it starts, you know, local level. It starts with your your mayors and your city councils, and then that becomes you know, your, your governors. And it's, it's looking at how these places out in your city are not only allocating resources to police departments, but how are they being used and how effective are they? And then you look at the policies um, that are set up to, to govern the police departments and the, the, con- the union contracts that they have. Like in almost every city in America, a police officer killing someone is not a violation of their policy. It's not a violation of the the code of conduct or the 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 union contract. And that can change tomorrow right. if, if we really wanted it to. That's something that can change tomorrow. There are a lot of places where a police officer who is fired can be not only rehired from the same department, but can be rehired somewhere else. Even if the crime, even if they've been been, you know, found to have violated the, the contract of the policies and that is something it needs to change and so it's it's a system that for some reason it, it wants to call certain people bad apples but it also wants to keep those apples in the orchard and when you look at the fact that you're telling me there's only a handful of bad people but i won't do anything to eradicate them what what are you actually saying to society? And so it's as a as a society, as a as a country, we have to do the legwork of of change and progress from a local level up. Because it doesn't people think it's this big top-down thing where it's like, oh well, if the president just signs this bill or that bill, or if this like no, it's it's these are local jurisdictions and things that can be changed on a local level that can sweep the country and create drastic um, reform that make uh, that make it so that police are held accountable for their actions. And right now there is very, very, very little accountability. And um, as long as that's as pervasive as it is, you know, we are, we are not going to see, big changes anytime soon. We will continue to keep beating the drum and having the conversation that we're having, but we aren't going to see, you know, 
massive, massive change. You'll see some cosmetic stuff in here and there, but the the fact that the police kill a thousand people, over a thousand people a year, um, is it's insane. It's just un, unnecessary. It's, it's and it comes from the top down, like right, like the NRA. They have this police organization, and they come with shoot to kill. I remember the first time I heard that. Mm-hmm. I said, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. No, we don't. We we always shoot to kill. Why? Whatever happened to thou shall not kill humans? That's what I'm trying to say. Right. I really hope that um, people really work on this and continuously make progress because I'm sick of it. We're all sick of it. You've won an Oscar now, Trayvon. What do you want to do next? I want to direct more movies. I want to keep making television. I mean, I want to keep using my platform to create uh you know a world that looks like a world i want to live in i want i don't have it in me to make art that doesn't say anything about society or doesn't provide some type of either conversation starter or or anything of that nature i mean even i think even the most benign stories can still serve the world uh, beyond entertainment. And so I just want to keep being able to use my space and my platform to leave behind something that is valuable and something that can continue to push society forward. Mm, me too. Something like Satan on Mars? <laughs> no, but don't work with Satan. He's a dick. Does that hit anything? Watch out for Satan. Because that's just one of the many ideas I have. He never gives up. <laughs> oh, man, that was such an honor. Another friend that I got to make this year was faith-based screenwriter and actor Luke Barnett, who I discovered in the process of preparing for the interview. There, He has a doppelganger. Oh, yeah. He's got, there's like a, like Luke is very much, you know, satirically aligned with making fun of megachurches and evangelical culture and all that, which is why he made this movie faith-based, which you can watch on Amazon. But he's got a doppelganger out there, same name, who is a televangelist. Yeah. And I just think that's incredible. I would love to get them to meet on the pod sometime. I know, but we were joking about that a lot during this interview, too, I think. We actually need to follow up on that and make that happen. Yes. But can we get the other Luke Barnett, evil Luke? It's going to be tough, given what this show is. Mm. No offense. Well, you hang out with the sinners and the saints. That's all I can say. I was uh, researching for this, this episode and Googling your name. And what should pop up at the top of the news section, yeah. but Pastor Luke Barnett <laughs> yeah. gets crushed by a boulder. When you see this guy, too, he looks exactly like you imagine a terrible pastor of a megachurch. Like, he will look like Kenneth Copeland in, like, 30 years. Like, he's yeah. just, he's already started the, like, plastic surgery train. He's, Ugh. like, he was, like, one of the first people to be, like, you can come to our church with no masks back in, like, last, a year ago, Ugh. you know, it's just, uh... Evil Luke Barnett yeah, from a evil. parallel universe. Yeah. This, Somebody's this... gonna have to, like, Rick and Morty this guy and, like, go go back <laughs> and, and figure out things for me. <laughs> I think it's you. I think this could be your next movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about, yeah. About you and your evil twin. That's, that's a funny idea. Thanks. I'm in. Um, Jesus... <laughs> 
<laughs> Jesus, what what is the actual story? He said he was crushed by a boulder. Apparently, an eight thousand pounds boulder landed on him. Right, because I was trying to kill him, <laughs> and he survived. I refuse to believe this boulder actually. I hit saved him. him. My bad, y'all. You saved him. <laughs> damn it, damn it, uh, see, now this story's checking out a lot more. If God pushed that <laughs> boulder on the bad guy, and Satan stepped in, I was trying to save the rock, the boulder mostly. <laughs> <laughs> This guy is just making all this shit up. It said it rolled him for about 15, 20 feet. Then it teetered upon a rock somehow miraculously so my daughter could pull me out. I still don't really get the details of this, but... What, here's the details. He's making it up um, <laughs> so that he can grow his mega church and get more He's money. watched Indiana Jones one too many times and just thought he was going to yeah, tell everybody yeah. that that's who he was. Get some sympathy donations. As he continues to mend, Pastor Luke Barnett has resumed his duties as lead pastor at the multi-campus Dream City Church. Uh, Dream City uh, Church. Even just the name of his church, like, upsets me. Right? You can't. This is God telling you, Luke, what to do. This is your next task. Yeah, this is my mission. Yeah, now I I believe. Yes. (laughs) You can't make this shit up, folks. All right. Um. Well, I look forward to seeing what occurs between you two. Maybe a wrestling match. I don't uh, know. I could organize that. That'd be tight. That would be tight. <laughs> Luke Barnett versus Luke Barnett. Yeah, I'm into that. I'm into that. <laughs> I don't know. That versus... guy probably does a lot of CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, but you he will win. I'm so sorry, but he's going to win. He's sure. going to win. <laughs> he's going to throw an 8,000 pound boulder at you. Uh, yeah. With the help of Satan. Tanner can be your Mick and do the whole training montage. Yeah, the cross it's, true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. For the big fight, the big Luke to Luke fight. <laughs> okay, I, I've watched the whole movie in my mind already. <laughs> so, in some other news, Twitter found a photo of a of a vaccinated by the Lord card, and the yeah. jokes are sick. Yeah, a lot of people aren't getting the vaccine, unfortunately, and they're buying this vaccinated by the Lord card. They don't need the vaccine. They have you protecting them. Yeah. And I just want to make it clear that I'm not doing shit (laughs) to protect these people. Get vaccinated, dummies. Yeah. Well, I feel like I I feel like God, I feel like you were always kind of behind evolution in a way. So this is just maybe you kind of like encouraging the ones that aren't going to get it to just continue on with the cycle. Darwin is laughing his ass off up here. Um, he loves this. He's a sadistic fuck, but um, he's he's not wrong. They wrote me into this too. It has a picture of a cross on it and says "Trust in Jesus." And a there's huge also, cross. There's also this checkbox, and it's checked, and it says "Protected by the antibody of Jesus Christ, our Lord." Lies, lies from the pit of hell. <laughs> Satan, are you are you giving them these cards? Uh, this is a team effort. I can't take all the credit. It was me, Luke Barnett, the oh, other one, the evil God. one. A couple other guys, we kind of came together. Ted Cruz was in on it. Of course. And we were like, yo, let's make this happen. So the worst part is they're it. selling these cards like a pyramid scheme. Like yeah. They're can, selling them? We released it, yeah. We And we say, like, look, you can buy one card or you can buy 8,000 and sell the rest to your friends. <sighs> it's pretty tight. Most people are only able to sell them to their facebook friends and then they've got a garage full of these say vaccinated by jesus cards it's a terrible ploy it's not working at all floor to ceiling nothing but vaccination cards what a scam 
You know so many people are, are printing these out, too, or buying them. We should really get in on this, Jesus. Yeah. No, no, no. That would be evil. Damn it. It's so tempting. We should really get in on this, Jesus. <laughs> no. You can see why con artists would do this. There's so much money to be made at the expense of gullible, kind-hearted fools. Yep. Um, yep. Anyway, uh, no, don't do that. <laughs> Well, thanks, man. That was amazing. Uh, so honored to know Luke. We also got to talk to comedian Kelly Bachman this year. Yeah. Who went viral at one point for, because Harvey Weinstein showed up at her during her set. Oh, gosh. And she tore him a yeah. new hole Oh, man. She, she suffered a lot of slings and arrows for that bravery. So bless her for making that good trouble. Let's take a look back at that interview. You rebuked Satan or one of his demons in person. Yes, yes, uh, I did. And, you know, I was thinking back to what my mom actually, you know, I recently started talk, trying to talk about this on stage. Maybe we should play the clip. I'm feeling a little tense. Anybody else? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a comic. <laughs> And it's our job to name uh, the elephant in the room. Do we know what that is? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a Freddy Krueger in the room, if you will. I didn't know that we have to bring our own maze and uh, rape whistles to Actors Hour. Oh. Oh. No? Oh. Shut up. No? Oh, shut up. Yeah. Oh. This kills at uh, group therapy for rape survivors. <laughs> They love it, yeah. Woo, woo! Um, yeah, woo! Yeah, yeah, I have been raped, surprisingly, by no one in this room, but um, I've never gotten to confront those guys, so... Just a general fuck you to whoever I, uh... Yes, girl! Good job, Epic. Kelly. Wow. Epic. That was great. Basically, wow. as a kid, I actually... Um, you may remember me praying about this god. Uh -huh, I uh -huh. actually... Wanted to be a Catholic priest as a child. Wow. That was like my dream job. And I think it was because I had like one of those funny priests who would tell jokes at the top of a homily. Right. What was and his name again? His Jack. Father, <laughs> Father Jack. Jack. Right. And he would like tell little jokes at the top of the homily. And I was, he, he would kill every time with this very attentive audience. And I thought like, <laughs> I want that. <laughs> so I told my mom, she like didn't know how to break it to me. She's like, mm. you can't be a priest ever. But she took me to an Episcopalian church. She was like, you could be a priest here. Aww. And I was like, um, nah. like I'm going to perform at a smaller venue. Like, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to like go for this generic brand. So that's what, <laughs> like, that's what inspired. I want to be like, I want to perform at bigger and bigger churches until I'm like broke one day. <laughs> like I want to like move up in this structure. But, right, right. What's um, the point of doing it unless you can play the Vatican someday and Radio City Musical? So, so that launched your comedy dreams. I was this really religious child, and you know, my mom would like she would essentially say, "I don't want to like make my mom's. <laughs> I don't want to make my mom sound like we are loving you know? your mom so far." <laughs> but she was like, she would like she would say that I'm a prophet, and that's an intense. Like, what she label. was saying was that you're gonna make a lot of profit. <laughs> she said you're really gonna she amount. Said, Kelly to is something. a prophet, and it's because I had a dream 
when I was in like third grade or I had a recurring dream. And essentially like long, like to shorten a long story, she said that I predicted 9-11. Whoa. Um, <laughs> Did okay. you? I had, I would have dreams. I had a lot of dreams that were like very like intense. Mm-hmm. My mom like felt like they were psychic dreams that I had as a child. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she told, she would kind of talk to me very seriously about the concept of like visions and things like that. So, so then fast forward when she like said, she had a vision about demons coming to my comedy show. When a demon came, like I thought back to like what she had said about me as a child. And I was like, wow. okay, I came here to warn people about 9-11. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember and when you warn made- people about demons and I'm all out of 9-11. <laughs> I remember when you made that phone call to the FBI when you were like nine and they just ignored you. It's it's sad when your sense of purpose really passes by you at age age 10. That, um... 9-11 affected a lot of people in many ways. But yeah, she was right about the demons and you told that fucker off. Good for you. Well done. Bravo. Yeah. But what was the aftermath of something that viral like? It was pretty intense. And so it was sort of that and like an op-ed I wrote sort of, I exposed my own identity of like as a survivor, Mm -hmm. someone who has trauma. And it was something I hadn't talked to my family about really or anybody in it. But I, but it wasn't. So in in one sense, I was, it was like, looked like it's backed into a corner and I have to talk about this and talking about it on stage. But actually also um, in like 2017 or 2018, I had produced a show called Rape Jokes by Survivors and it was something that was really important to me where I, I booked like comics that were survivors right. and even though I wasn't in the show, it was always important to me like this, like trying to make humor out of like this uh, trauma that I experienced. Mm. So in a way, because I had been trying to literally sell that show and I had just gotten back from LA where I was trying to sell another show and and also had a meeting about that show. And I remember they were like, sorry, we just like can't get a celebrity attached. Like this Mm -hmm. isn't going to happen. And I got back and I remember feeling like in this cosmic way, like that I all of a sudden had this renewed sense of wanting to like work on that show or work on things like that. Mm -hmm. Because literally the day before I was about to like not give up, but I was sort of after I had that meeting, I and the person was kind of the company I was working with seemed like ready to let go of the project. Right. I remember thinking like, you know, maybe that's fine. Like maybe I can just, be, I, I don't need to like joke about this. I can be funny about regular stuff. Like right. Because the content was too serious, dangerous for them. Yeah. I, well, I think they just like, re- yeah, they really wanted like a big celebrity attached to like, mm. to like make it have like the credibility of like approaching something so serious. Right. But I had just was like, thought I'll focus on my other show and my other stuff I have going on. But then... Like, it seemed like, almost felt like this universe type sign of like, no, you can keep, (laughs) keep. Right. (laughs) All of a sudden, I sort of had the credibility as someone who, like, people were following on Twitter because of this thing. Right. And, like, people were asking me to, like, write an op-ed or things like that, and where Mm. I could, like, speak on this. I was being asked to instead of, like me begging people to let me do this thing and then being like, ah, that's too much. And then you gained like, you know, how many followers on Twitter? Like it was, yeah. Like it was like, 
yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Very, and I had never used Twitter before, really. Right. Uh, so it was that was like my first tweet. So that was pretty intense, and it was like just being kind of known in comedy after right. not doing it very long was pretty overwhelming, and I sort of just tried to focus on like doing the type of opportunities that I wanted to do anyway, like like just focusing on like what I want to do and seeing like what I could. I don't know. I, I sort of like tried to keep tunnel vision on like the things I was excited about because anytime I looked at like the response and I would get very overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I folk, I kind of got back to working on that show and I, I wrote a show with my friend uh, Dylan Adler called rape victims are horny too plug. <laughs> and it's a musical comedy show featuring, so- featuring songs like tell me I'm hot and don't fucking touch me. Trauma Mia, here we go again. <laughs> Man, I feel like a victim. That's a Shania Twain cover. <laughs> a lot of it's like a silly show and really joyful show. And and yeah. I'm still like I still mostly only that show I I do about that kind of material. Like all my other stuff I do is about regular my life. Right. But uh, no, but it's important but it was, to, to it was process important. that. that yeah. And you know, there's so many women that have been assaulted. Yeah, it's it, it's it is it. I mean, it's it's scary. It's true. It's very there's a, there's this huge uh, there's this collective wound of so much so much mm. of humanity. And every time we do the show, we can feel like the impact of of having these conversations and how healing it can be. Um, so it's definitely important to me to keep doing that. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for everything you do. And. Our final uh, interview, let's look back at, was uh, comedian Matt Friend, who is an expert <laughs> impressionist. Yeah, maybe one of our funniest interviews this year. He, oh, yeah, you love you love him. I mean, his impressions are incredible. Howard yeah. Stern, Jeff Goldblum, oh, Mitch the Jeff McConnell. Goldblum. <laughs> Mitch he McConnell. so many. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's great he to follow really on Twitter because he does lots of impressions and TikTok. So let's take a look back at that interview. My one of my favorites is Jeff Goldblum. I love Jeff. Yeah, Goldblum. he he's actually shared my impression of him recently and has been <gasps> commenting on it, which has been cool. And yeah, he he's very fun. Uh, doing the Jeff Goldblum, it just every time you do it, you kind of have an orgasm. Yes, yes. Ah, hello. Very good. Yes. Yeah, it's just it's very jazzy. Yeah, yes, listeners yes. can't see it, but Matt brought props too. He just put on yes. aviator glasses when he does the Jeff Goldblum impression. The essential ingredients: the glasses, the purr, and the jazz. And then you have Goldblum. <laughs> glasses, the purr, the jazz, Goldblum. There you go. That's the that's the secret to being a good impressionist, isn't it? It's figuring out the keys. That's right. There's a musicality to it, especially to someone like Jeff. Absolutely, the keys is a, is a great way to put it. Yes. Let's play this one. Uh, we have a, a clip of. Matt doing uh, John Oliver. Good evening, and welcome, welcome, welcome to me putting on a face mask. Not putting on a mask during a global health pandemic is like being in an airplane that's going down and refusing to put on your seatbelt. I mean, what the hell is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know if he's seen that? Some of his writers have, I, I think... 
okay. I don't know if he's seen it directly. Uh, that was yeah. part of a series I was doing, like of celebrities putting on face masks, uh, like uh, for TikTok. And <laughs> yeah. I just did John Oliver, and I go, "What the fuck? This is incredible! <laughs> so fun to speak like John." And and uh, yeah, I've done like longer length parodies of John Oliver, like with way better writing around it, as opposed to just me saying one dumb joke. <laughs> 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 But uh, no, I love doing John Oliver too. Yeah. And I just love, I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, so. Yeah, of course. Isn't this amazing gang? Isn't this amazing? He, he becomes the voice of that person. Yeah. It's, it's like a magic trick. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's really hot. It's really hot. What is your process? Are you just watching them over and over again to get, get it all down? Let me just get out my whiteboard. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, people ask me about the process a lot and, I mean, thinking about it, there is a process where uh, a because I, I also really want to know a lot about the person because that helps to inform because I'm not trying to just be an impressionist. I'm also trying to be a comedian and have like dialogue behind it and, and writing. And so, I mean, it, there is a lot of reading about the specific person. It's a lot of watching interviews, listening to podcasts, much like this beautiful one I'm on right now. Thank you very much. Shout out God. <laughs> Shout out Jesus. Uh, and just, you know, watching every interview, um, like movies. I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I started doing impressions when I was four years old and I did an impression of Austin Powers. And that's oh. the first one that got me into it. I was very obsessed at a young age with comedy. And I've always just been sort of naturally into show business and entertainment. And I don't really think of it as a process. It's more of just I, I just spend hours and hours yeah, watching. I mean, I, I mean, I was the kid in, in high school watching Johnny Carson, Rich Little, Don Rickles clips, Eddie Murphy, like uh, on my computer. Uh, and so it's just absorbing and yeah, reading and just being obsessed with it. Now, there's got to be one that's the most challenging. Like, I'm sure mm, you can do mm. all of them eventually. But there's there one you're like, ah, mm. can't quite get it. Or that was the most challenging. I think the ones you. that are more subtle that you wouldn't necessarily think to do. Uh, for example, uh, well, up until recently, Army Hammer. Uh, but uh, God, I don't want God to comment on this stuff. But uh, like Army Hammer, like a very like very subtle voice. Like literally, it's so crazy to be him. It's like totally insane. Like he has this very milky quality to whatever he says. Like it's just, it's like totally crazy. It's just so, it's sounds like Seth MacFarlane to me. Oh really? I think it yeah. sounds like Tom Wams. It sounds like Tom Wams Gams from the show Succession. You guys know that show? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chef. Yes. Hey, buddy. This is Tom. Thank you. Hey, guys. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, so I think the ones that are more subtle, yeah. And I mean, I try to keep my act and my impressions very current and hyper-relevant. Like, I look at a guy like Rich Little, who back, I don't know if you guys know, like, back in his day, he was always doing the younger stars and celebrities. I actually saw him perform in Vegas uh, before the pandemic. And he has a joke. He, like, his whole act is dead. So, uh, <laughs> but it's like my, my, thankfully my impressions are, are alive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you're not going to do, you're not going to drop the Austin powers, uh, hanging out with Trump on us. Well, I might actually do that. You never know what can happen. Austin's <laughs> a great guy and we can look into that actually. I, I haven't done Austin in a while actually, but yeah. yeah. But you know, when you start at four, it just sort of becomes part of your brain. Yeah, right. it, it definitely is. Yeah. I mean, right. I'm, it, it's kind of, it's a very obsessive quality. Like you don't want to be annoying about it, but like I have a bit, which is I'll be in the bathroom alone and I'll be Barack Obama and I'll say, uh, Michelle, uh, where did you put the toothpaste? Come on now, this is crazy. 
Oh, what, what, where is my toilet paper and floss? I don't know where it went, but it, it is definitely somewhere around here. So that is good. I'll just be alone doing it's, it's this. Really, it's like, really great. And, it's really great. And, and it happens, that. and it happens throughout the day. Like you ask about process. Like I was walking with my sister, like this, you could call me crazy. I guess, I guess uh, I was walking with, like with my sister just down the street the other day and I had my arms behind my back and I was full on walking like Prince, uh, Prince uh, Philip from the crown. Cause I was trying oh, to get I his Oh, I love walk. your Prince Philip. We've so, talked about him quite a so, bit lately. So it just happens. It's great it because I, yeah. I was watching you do the Barack Obama and I was like, that's kind of weird. And then I closed my eyes and I'm like, oh shit, there it is. There you it hear is. him. <laughs> well, no, I love, you know, it sounds weird, but when you close your eyes and you start to imagine that you are actually having yeah. uh, Barack yeah. Obama on your show, then you know that this is the real deal. It is not weird. And That's I am fantastic. Because I look at you and I'm like, why is he doing an Elvis impression with his mouth? And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> It's amazing. But I love I love that he's focused on, you know, flossing because, you know, you only hear Barack talk about big issues. So when he's zeroed yeah. in on those little Seinfeld <laughs> issues. Like, That's right. Like you'd think he'd be in the bathroom talking about climate change and COVID. <laughs> but where's your put the toothpaste? Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Can I hear your, um, what was that one we were just talking about? Oh, Philip. So Prince Philip. Prince Dude, Philip. Was, well, I do a bit on Prince Philip. We recently sent him to hell. <laughs> I do a bit on, is that what you, you guys, yeah. I do a bit on Prince Philip, which is because uh, I'm so fascinated by the characters in the crowns speak. They each have this weird way of speaking English where all of their words go together. There are like no spaces in between. Mm-hmm. And I was imagining if Prince Philip sang the song Wet Ass Pussy by Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, no. And he goes, yes, this is a very interesting subject. Now from the top, make a drop. That's some with his pussy. Yes. <laughs> with some nice moist with his pussy and deeds. I understand this concept of the widow's pussy, this notion of the widow's pussy. It's a very interesting thing, the widow's pussy. It's, nobody's ever heard of it. It's quite fascinating, actually. The widow's pussy. Dibble, yes, dibble, do. <laughs> Ibble, dibble, do, yes. Ibble, yeah. dibble. <laughs> dibble, dibble, dibble. We have this outline prepared, you know, what we're going to talk about for the show. And I think right now it's just been rewritten to, okay, now do. And that's basically what we're yeah, doing. Sorry, now, sorry. Uh, do you guys have any singles you can throw at me? I'm like a stripper up here. <laughs> Which is so amazing. We, we yeah. have some other ones uh, queued up so that we don't have to, you know, you don't have to do them live. You want to play this uh, Trump one? Well, to Harry and Meghan, I understand completely what it's like to feel trapped like a dog. Like a dog. You should have seen me in the White House. All those years trapped up like Mitch McConnell in his little turtle shell. Well, what you have to realize is... To Harry and Meghan, I understand completely the what it's like to feel trapped in your tiny little shell. Scoobity boop boop, scoobity doo, like Ted Cruz in Cancun. You know what, Mr. McConnell? You have to know that going to Cancun was my decision. I did feel trapped by the outcome, just like Harry and Meghan. Bernie Sanders, what do you have to say, you radical leftist elite? Ho oh, oh. ho, Mr. Cruz, you are a psychopath. I continue to say. To Harry and Meghan, <laughs> oh, I appreciate your honesty with Oprah, President Obama. How about you? Well, Harry and Meghan, I just want you to know that you can come over to my house anytime. I love you so much, and welcome back to America, everybody. <laughs> That's Amazing! Great. That's great. Oh. Well, that was fun, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, we really got to get more interviews. I'll try harder, humans. I just got a lot of plates I'm spinning here. 
I'm glad that we did this clip show because it was nice to remember all the great interviews we've had over the past year, especially now as we get towards the end of 2021. Right. And uh, don't you worry, humans. I'll, I'll get some more people, you know, and deities lined up. We also talked to Joseph Smith, but we're not. We're, this is just a humans clip show. Right. <laughs> okay. Who are currently alive. Who are currently alive. This is not like from hell. We should yeah. do that, though, at some point. <laughs> Yeah. We could have Kevin COVID. We could have Joseph Smith, JFK. Thanks for listening, humans. We'll see you next time on The God Pod. The Lord has spoken.